For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Beaulieu. From climate change to hunger to racial equity, consumers are making their voices heard on topics near and dear to their heart, and they are throwing their support behind brands that are stepping up to meet today's challenges in trustworthy and purposeful ways. According to a study by the Zeno Group, if consumers think a brand has a strong purpose, they are four times as likely to purchase from it and four and a half times as likely to recommend the brand to family and friends. But engaging consumers in a brand purpose is easier said than done. That's where public good can make a difference. This leading digital cause marketing platform leverages machine learning to enable brands to drive consumer behavior change, raise social good brand awareness, build brand trust and equity, and increase public good. To delve deeper into this subject, I am joined by Melissa Anderson, co-founder and president of Public Good. A social impact innovator, thought leader, and speaker, Melissa has helped a broad range of leading organizations activate their purpose to better society. Melissa, welcome to Beyond Profit. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here today. And as you know, very this topic is very core to us. I'm uh, looking forward to our discussion. As am I. So off the top, Melissa, we know consumers' expectations of brands have changed dramatically over the past decade or so. What do you think is driving that evolution and why are brands well positioned to create meaningful change? Agreed. Consumer expectation for brands has changed. Today's consumers, as you mentioned earlier, they are expecting brands to lead societal change and they're voting with their wallets Mm -hmm. for brands that align with their social values. In terms of the drivers behind this, you know, a lot of great data comes from the Edelman Trust Study, showing that while there was a trend towards this value-based consumerism for the past seven to 10 years, 2020 was truly an accelerant. The global health pandemic, the murder of George Floyd, and the impact of climate change on all of our lives were very much a wake-up call in terms of the work that has to be done. And at the same time in 2020, we saw a decline in consumer trust around media, government, and even nonprofits. And the shift has in part led consumers looking to corporations and most often their employer to create needed change across issues. If anyone's interested in exploring this more deeply, I do encourage reviewing the Edelman Trust Barometer Study. And then to speak to the impact that brands can make in creating meaningful change, I think there's actually two significant. The first is for brands to change their internal operations. We think about this with sustainability changes. But also the second is the opportunity for brands to engage their stakeholders, to join them in improving our world. And obviously there's power in movement. So Brands have this incredible power to lead movements and lead others towards the social change that we're all looking for. Melissa, were you surprised by the Edelman Trust Barometer report, the fact that consumers are leaning heavily into business versus, as you said, government and NGOs? Yeah, I think I was surprised. You know, it has been a slow, gradual shift, but I think Mm -hmm. with some of the changes in Washington, some of the concern around media, it was definitely more dramatic in 2020 than I had anticipated. So yeah, I was a little surprised at the kind of sea change that we saw in 2020. So it can be challenging, as you know, for any brand to start or be involved with the social movement. So does that speak to, you know, a lack of consumer trust or is it a sometimes you know it's a misalignment between a brand's purpose and their and the cause um, that they want to be involved in or are the challenges do you feel run deeper than that 
Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question, Ken, and I agree. It can be really challenging for brands to start a social movement around mm -hmm. cause. And common misstep is for brands to begin activating on a cause that's trendy, so to speak, right. rather than on a cause that's core to them. Clear example of this this year was the number of brands that sort of jumped on Pride Month as a marketing opportunity. And mm. at the core, many of these brands just sort of felt inauthentic to consumers because it wasn't an extension of a long-term commitment. So it sort of felt like a, a press stunt. One of the things we've developed is a framework that can do just this, that can help align a brand's purpose with their cause and then communicate in a way that's effective. So with our ABC framework, it starts with A, which stands for authenticity. Okay, I know uh, this is a word that is thrown around often, you know, just stating at the core, it means the brand has dedicated time and resources towards the topic. And in addition, often this cause relates to the brand's core product or service. So that's that authenticity piece. There's really, really real work being done there that's core to the brand. The B in the ABC framework stands for bravery. And it doesn't mean every brand needs to take the bold steps of a Ben & Jerry's or a Patagonia, but it does mean that brands can't be afraid to address and talk about the issues that they're committed to. I think a good example of this is there's a number of great corporations that work on domestic violence, but often we see they're afraid to talk about it because it doesn't feel like a positive message. But the mm -hmm. bravery to stand up and talk about the good work you're doing is actually very much appreciated by consumers. Add the C from the ABC framework, which is around consistency. Mm -hmm. And this really brings me back to where we started, which is to underscore the importance for brand to be consistently working on the issues that are core and not sort of hopping on the issue of the day, so to speak. Right. So following up on the hopping on the issue of the day for brands that do that I and mean, receive blowback from consumers, can they win back trust from them? Or do you think it's a real difficult proposition? I think that trust brand equity can always be bought back. It's just needs to be taken in more of a medium to long-term strategy. So look, you know, we can think about a lot of brands that have taken hits for various things, but to the extent that the brand can take a step back, not have a knee-jerk reaction and create a plan that's rooted in the actual work they're doing, they can absolutely build that trust back. You mentioned to me previously that brands must become braver, which I think is awesome. So how does a brand determine its role in society? How does it become braver? That's a question that brands are thinking a lot about, especially as there's so much messaging from consumers that they want brands to take a stand. I'm really glad you asked the question about how a brand should determine its role in society. And mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to start. I would say the brand should start with an examination of the role they already play and the tools they already have. One great example of this is actually Postmates, who of course is now part of Uber, mm -hmm. but they use their delivery fleet to deliver unwanted food from their restaurant partners to homeless shelters. So this was an infrastructure that was already in place and they were able to leverage it to do good. So that's a great example mm -hmm. of really evolving your core product into something that's good. And that was something that we were actually able to help them with is drive more awareness of that because as often the case, sometimes social good like that is a brand's best kept secret. And I think that to the extent that a brand is using its existing power for good, it'll feel more authentic to consumers. If there isn't an obvious sort of tie-in, brands can start with the thing that troubles them most about their business, take mm -hmm. on that challenge, make improvements, and, and be transparent in the process. And that's often a missed opportunity to invite consumers to do the same. Mm -hmm. Talk about the importance, Melissa, of just listening to all stakeholders and doing right by them. 
In terms of, of listening to stakeholders and, and doing right by them, I'm so glad that you brought this up because we have seen this massive shift from mm-hmm. shareholders to stakeholders. And right. it's important for every business really to do a 360 and look at who are your stakeholders. And so in terms of listening to stakeholders, there's obviously the consumer, that is an important voice. You've got the employee voice and also the supply chain, You know, who are all the companies that a corporation is touching right. along the way. And so, I mean, that's really why these kind of deeper, more authentic programs really starts with, um, you know, what are the voices of all of our stakeholders so that they can be accounted for and any kind of internal change, and then obviously external activation as a result of that. You mentioned the supply chain. I think that's so critically important. I think there are some brands that get a lot right about purpose, but tend to overlook downstream. You know, is that something you're seeing too? Yeah, absolutely. And there's been a lot of increased pressure on the supply chain piece, especially as ESG is becoming more and more important, more right. looked at. There, This pressure is a good thing because it's really forcing brands to go deep and look all the way down the chain. And often the opportunity to communicate that is lost. And that kind of brings me back to often a social good is a brand's best kept secret. You know, it's not just hunger and homelessness, you know, it's also what are you doing for diverse suppliers? How are you supporting black owned businesses? Um, Often it's those deeper pieces buried in the supply chain. That part of the story just isn't told. So it's one thing for a brand to want to get involved or launch a social movement. And it's another to get all employees on board and to have complete buy-in from top of the organization all the way down. Can you just talk about the role that marketing plays in all of this in rallying the troops? Actually, the way we would kind of recommend approaching this is in a staged manner. So starting with the employee, starting with the inside, then going out. To your point, it is difficult for the marketing department, which is external, to rally the internal employees because of an activation. Often that can feel like cart behind the horse. So we find the most successful programs really start with whether it's HR or talent acquisition or the CSR department, you know, really doing that job of communicating and engaging the employees first. So there's some movement there. And then the marketing department then can extend that outside of the organization, outside of the employee base to consumers and customers. Next question I have for you is, why is it important for brands to get their purpose statement right and make it core to the entire business operation? We do see some misalignment with purpose statements and brands like this often get called on carpet for purpose washing as a result. So talk a little bit about that. You know, to your point, it's critically important to form a statement, but that is both sort of true to the organization, so it's not virtue signaling, but also that will stand over time because that ability for the statement to stand over time is going to allow the brand to really maintain the consistency with their purpose, which mm-hmm. is the piece that builds both authenticity and brand equity. So making it core to the organization is going to ensure that the business remains aligned to that purpose. And if it's not core, the organization risks a disconnect between policy and practice or operations and marketing. In this case, if it's not core, it can often look like a bolt-on and that's, it's just more obvious to customers than it may seem. You know, a great example of this are the telecom companies that, you know, sort of all around aligned around education, but no one really associates association education with telecom. So it just becomes hard versus it being kind of core to the organization. So again, this sort of comes back to that inside out approach. The organization is eternally aligned before bringing the purpose out externally to the organization's customers. And also worth mentioning that having too many causes or like we talked about before, a cause of the day just creates it's just as much confusion as changing up your customer value proposition because it's really something that needs to be more 
kind of long-term and consistent and ongoing. Well, so I'm just curious, when you take on a new client, are you looking at their purpose statement um, to see if it's right or are they coming to you to create a purpose statement or maybe a combination of both? Yeah, I would say that typically our role is to take the good, the social good that the brand has done, as I mm -hmm. mentioned before, the best kept secret, and then to look at that good authentic work and then really bring that out to consumers and people and drive awareness of what they're doing and invite people to take action alongside them. That's right, really right. sort of our core role in terms of our AI platform. I can tell you as it relates to the purpose statement, we'll often provide ongoing consultancy because of our expertise in the space as companies grow and evolve. So we often will sit with the C-suite and discuss as we look towards the next three, five, seven years, what should the core purpose be? Should it be, should it continue to be hunger or should it pivot to sustainability? And so we certainly are part of the conversation, but our core product is very much around um, engaging people in the good work that has already been done. I mentioned at the top, Melissa, that your organization helps clients, you know, drive awareness and action for their purpose-driven campaigns. Can you just talk about some of the ways that you bring that to life? Yeah, I would love to. So I think the easiest way to explain it is through actually the customer's perspective. And mm -hmm. so a great example, you know, we've talked a lot about 2020 as an accelerant year. So I'd love to provide an example in mm -hmm, 2020. Sure. So it's mid pandemic and you're reading an article about when, how schools are closed, kids in underprivileged neighborhoods are missing that one meal they got a day, which was lunch. And so in that moment of reading about how, you know, sure, you know, schools are closed, but maybe you hadn't thought about how the impact on food insecurity this has for these kids, mm -hmm. you know, you feel like, oh, geez, this is, what can I do to make a difference? And and who's working on this? And in that moment, what our platform does, and this could be on any one of our media partners, everyone from CNN to HuffPost to Vice or Vox, in that moment, in that article, we serve actions the reader can take to make a difference alongside the brand. So right. as you've just read that article, you can read about and see how Nestle has partnered with No Kid Hungry. And actually there's a meal finder. So you can share a meal finder or find a meal for your family. And so what that does is A, it spreads awareness of what the brand is doing. B, empowers the consumer to take action alongside the brand and making a difference. And that partnership is really where the magic is. That partnering to take action, that's really where we see brand lift. Another great example from 2021 mm -hmm. um, would be around the CeraVe Thinking Nurses campaign. So if we think about the pandemic and all the frontline health workers and everything they've done. You know, CeraVe has done a lot of great work to thank nurses. And when they came to us, we're really excited to work with them and suggested we could also give consumers the opportunity to write a note of thanks. So mm -hmm. let's not just talk about what you're doing. Let's create even more good will here. And it was incredible, Ken. We got yeah. thousands of messages from people with personal stories of how they were touched by nurses and they were touched by healthcare workers. So this really transformed a campaign from being mm -hmm. about awareness of what the brand is doing to really a movement, a movement mm -hmm. to get people to stand up and do something for healthcare workers. And, and one of the things that made that campaign really special to me was I love it when we're able to have non-financial actions. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people, when they hear action, they think about donation or volunteer, right. which are both great actions, but they're mm -hmm. very high impact. And in this moment, not everybody can reach in their wallet. So mm -hmm. it's really important to have a diversity of actions so that a wide range of people can contribute in any way that they can. Melissa, as we've discussed, there is the sea of causes and movements out there in the marketplace right now. What are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome to help drive that action for your clients? 
I think some of the challenges we've had to overcome in partnership with our clients, you know, is back to that bravery piece. And so often it will work with an organization where they have multiple causes. One might be very safe, like homeless and, and hunger. Another one might be less safe, like human trafficking. Mm-hmm. You know, the airline industry does a phenomenal amount of work around human trafficking, but you don't hear about it very often because it feels scary to kind of bring again, kind of up a negative topic because there's a fear that that could negatively affect the brand where actually the, the data shows the opposite. And mm-hmm. so I think the challenges to overcome are really to begin to think about communications in a new way. Mm-hmm. The data that we saw again out of Edelman talked about how consumers want want to know the goods that brands are doing. 87% of consumers last year said that they wanted brands to communicate these things. So I think there's still an old style thought that we should be doing good for good sake. We shouldn't be talking about it. We could get negative backlash, but if the brand has done the authentic work, it's actually the opposite. And what we've seen also in the data is that there is an inverse relationship between the brand, the causes the brands want to talk about and the causes that consumers want to hear about. In other words, sure. Brands always want to talk about education and homelessness and hunger. Those all are very important causes. But what consumers really hear, want to hear about is what are you doing in terms of equity? What are you doing with things like human trafficking? How are you sure. helping these very difficult topics like gun control? Right. And so I think that inverse of what the consumer wants to hear from the brand and what the brand feels safe sharing is really a core challenge that we really partner with brands to overcome. Well, I want to piggyback on that bit here. So Before a brand can increase public good, they have to build trust and equity with consumers and customers. So what steps or actions are required to earn that trust? I think a major cornerstone of building trust is transparency. Mm -hmm. It's critical, the old, for brands to both tell consumers what they're doing, which is what we just talked about, and also to do what they say they're going to do. So we see brands that have built this kind of trust over time, have much more resilience, even including when we look at the measurement of stock pricing, if there's a negative PR event or mishap, you know, Mm -hmm. when there's been long-term transparency and honesty, you really see that trust factor there when the chips are down. And we've also found in the data that one of the most powerful ways to build trust in addition to transparency is this model of inviting consumers to take action alongside you because that model implicitly creates awareness of what the brand's doing. It implicitly creates transparency because the consumer is effectively partnered with the brand in making that difference. So Mm -hmm. it it takes away that dynamic of a brand standing on a podium and announcing all the good they've done and creates a much more two-way relationship. And a two-way relationship is much more effective at building trust versus a one-way announcement. Sure. Melissa, how are you measuring the success of your programs with your clients? And has that changed over the years? Kind of taking it from the top, you know, in terms of standards for measuring purpose, Mm -hmm. I think there's actually two pieces. I mean, first, we need industry standards for measuring impact, and we're beginning to see more and more of these emerge, not only at the corporate level with ESG, but also at the consumer level, such as carbon neutral ratings on consumer packaging. So that's kind of the first piece is is measuring that impact. And the second piece is really where we come in and what we measure, and that's measuring the success from a brand or marketing perspective. And there are well-established standards for this, including brand lift and purchase intent. And those are the ways that we measure success. 
success. And this is very much tied to our theory of change, which is that if corporations can see the business benefit in doing good, they will be able to justify doing more good, even mm -hmm. in turbulent economic times. By measuring brand equity and its impact on market share, brands can clearly see the ROI of purpose mm -hmm. and therefore net net the success of the programs that they've done with purpose and nonprofits. So Melissa, you mentioned that there are some industry standards now in the industry, but do you feel that we're there or do you feel there's still a ways to go? Well, what's interesting there is that I feel like there are good industry standards for measuring brand equity mm -hmm. and marketing. And then on the other side, they're good industry standards for measuring impact. But today, often they are not tied together. And that's the piece that we're really passionate about. And so often if brands are kind of in this do good for good sake uh, paradigm and they aren't measuring how has this social good initiative we've done mm -hmm. or how has our purpose helped build market share, then again, they're not seeing the success and the power behind purpose. And so what we really do is a lot of work and I do a lot of speaking around really encouraging brands to say, listen, don't just measure brand equity by your you know, marketing performance programs. Yeah. Also be measuring this metrics when you're doing purpose programs. Mm -hmm. These should also be measured so that you can see their success. Because if you don't, you won't see that success. And so I think it's less about are the right measurements there and it's more about are we using the right measurements around purpose? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Great. Thank you. Uh, lastly, Melissa, I know brand safety is a topic of great importance to you. And um, what are some of the measures brands can take to protect their online reputation? Brand safety is something we think a lot about. And we, largely because we don't think we're seeing enough progress in this area, um, and particularly as brand safety relates to purpose. One of the challenges of the current most commonly accepted industry method of brand safety is using keyword block lists. And these lists just aren't effective in mm -hmm. determining brand suitability content for a purpose program because they often block powerful content literally about the cause that the brand is hmm working on. And so a great example of this is when we worked with Unilever's Vaseline, they do phenomenal work around natural disasters. So hurricanes and wildfires, and they work with nonprofit direct relief in this great work. So a great moment to tell the story and invite people to take action alongside uh, Vaseline is obviously within the context of content about hurricanes and wildfires. Mm -hmm. Now, if you took a traditional brand safety approach, the block list would block any type of natural disaster. And so it's really key as it relates to purpose to have a more sophisticated way of understanding where you want to be, because just saying we don't want to be in any content about hurricanes mm -hmm. might make sense from a product sales perspective, but it doesn't make sense from a purpose perspective. That's the moment that you want to reach people to say, hey, we're working on this. We'd love to quote Joe Barone, the head of brand safety from Mindshare. He mm -hmm. says, there is no such thing as unsuitable content. There is just unsuitable content for a given creative or campaign. But most brand safety is just sort of one size, one size fits all. And so also worth noting the impact that brand safety is having on good journalism. To the extent that brands aren't willing to be on content about the most pressing issues of today, it makes it challenging for journalism to write about those issues because they can't monetize the content. So there's a lot to unpack here around the brand <laughs> safety piece. And as, as you can tell, there's multiple perspectives and angles that we're looking at it from. Sure. Well, uh, you talked about the person, the 2020 being the accelerant for the purpose movement. And it seems to me like 2022 may be the accelerant for brand safety. 
Yeah, and while we're on the topic, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that brand safety is a huge topic in traditional media. You know, like your question to me, how can brands ensure to stay safe? And I think I kind of pivoted that question to how can brands worry less about being safe and worry more about being effective? But I also wanted to just raise the idea of social media and brand mm -hmm. safety. And so, you know, when brands are appearing on social media, there's absolutely no controls in terms of what content they're going to appear next to. And so I think this is another kind of example of how brand safety is somewhat broken in mm -hmm. that it's, you know, scrutinized within digital media publishers, but, you know, really sort of ignored within social media. Right. I think all this is to say that there's a lot of challenges with brand safety, but in that there lies a huge opportunity for brands to really take it from the top and think about where they want to be, how they want to reach the consumer. And with today's really activist consumer, reaching people in those hard moments where tough topics are being talked about is actually a competitive advantage. Rethinking this brand safety safety piece is a really powerful way to get in front of consumers when brands competitors may not be. Back to well, bravery, I suppose. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and joining me on Beyond Profit Podcast, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this time with you. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. So to learn more about public good, please visit publicgood.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.